Well, lately we've been having some pretty long passages of the Bible being placed before us, and uh, there's so much I could talk about. I think I'm going to focus, though, on our first reading and not on our gospel. Just a little, maybe a little side notes on the gospel. What's pretty neat is uh, there's an author, a Christian author, from the, the beginning of the second century, around. he's writing around 120 or so, and he says that the little girl that was raised from the dead is actually alive, still alive in his day, and she talks about the story. So that's kind of a neat little testimony. Because she would have been 12 around the year 30 or so, and uh, she would have been pretty old. She would have been in her 90s or even 100 years old, I think, if I do the math right. But um, So that's kind of a neat little uh, note here. What Maybe one observation, though, from the Gospel before I go back to the first reading is we see this woman who had the issue of blood and how she approaches Jesus with a little bit of fear and trepidation. Okay. Fear, nowadays, when it comes to the sphere of religion and God, uh, gets short shrift. It's not very popular, okay? Um, but the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, there's there's really a lot there, okay? So when we talk about fear in the Christian and the biblical sense, in the positive sense, it's really, uh, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It's a virtue, in fact. In fact, the fear of the Lord is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, when the word fear, though, is used in that context, it's not an irrational fear where you're, you know, spooky stuff or whatever like that. It, it, what it is is it's basically a respect for God, uh, focusing on his power, on his majesty, uh, on his justice, okay? Um, and it's a respect in relation to those things. So that's what, that's what the fear of the Lord is. And it's the beginning of wisdom. And we need to have that at first... And then, of course, progress to the higher virtues of love. Uh, but nonetheless, you can't have love without the fear of the Lord. So they're, they're both they're both important. And the fear of the Lord is a kind of a foundational um, virtue. So I think we we see this. So there's an opportunity, at least, to talk about this virtue when it comes to our first reading. We've got a pretty pretty neat story here. Uh, the whole, all the story concerning King David is really, really fascinating. It's a, really a saga. It takes up many books of the Old Testament, and it's a, it's a fascinating saga. And uh, this is a beautiful, for, from a literary point of view, this whole weeping of David. We see his, his emotion here. My son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, the Bible is so terse in its language, so strict and economical in its use of words that it almost never ever repeats words it never says something over and over and over again okay there's probably four, three or four passages in all the bible where that, that takes place okay um and this is one of them so in, in a very rare moment of the bible we're starting to enter into the psychology of the individual biblical figure because it's usually not like that the bible describes everybody and events and people and things from the outside and then you have to infer what their motives are and things like that that's how the bible's written but here we see this kind of emotional expression it's very very moving and powerful all the more so because it's rare and um but you know what unfortunately David is reaping the consequences of his negligence. Okay, so in another passage in this Davidic saga, it says about Absalom that David had never said to him when he was grown, Absalom was growing up, David never said to him, why have you done such a thing? <laughs> Meaning that David never chastised, he never corrected Absalom. 
He spoiled him. He let him do whatever he wanted to do. So this is the fruit and the consequences of David's neglect of really raising Absalom rightly. And that is probably a function, quite frankly, of David's polygamy. Okay, If you have 12 wives and 80 children, how much attention can you really give to each individual wife and child? Right? Okay, It's very interesting. I, I heard a rabbi speak once. And this is a Jewish scholar. He's a rabbi. He was actually the chief rabbi of, of England. And uh, very interestingly enough, in the Jewish law, uh, polygamy is allowed, was allowed, and, and sometime at least during the Middle Ages or so, Jews generally basically just stopped doing polygamy. Like, so it's, there's no Jewish person anywhere, really, that, that does, uh, does polygamy anymore. Uh, and interesting, though, because you might say, well, you know, it looks like the Old Testament kind of allows polygamy, so, so you know, what's so wrong with the polygamy? But actually what this rabbi said, he said that actually the Old Testament is an implicit critique of polygamy, okay? Because it's never portrayed positively. There's always problems coming out of any kind of polygamy. So you have righteous men, holy men who are saints, like Abraham uh, and, and others, and they have multiple wives, uh, and it's it's permitted, it's allowed, but it really implicitly is critiquing it because there's always trouble that, that results from it. And we see this with David as well. Um, so David is reaping the, the consequences of, his, of uh, some of these negative actions of his. And also we see that with Absalom. Now Absalom, it says in another passage here in the Davidic saga, Absalom, had a, he was a handsome man, he had a big head of hair, Okay, it was really curly and thick and dark and, and beautiful. And he said he, he cut it once a year. And after he cut it, he would weigh the amount that came off his head and it would be like, you know, three pounds or something like that. So he had this really glorious head of locks, you know, and he was very vain about his hair. Now, someone like, you know, Tom and I, we can't be vain. Well, actually, I think all the men in this room can't be vain about our hair, okay? <laughs> so that's God's mercy on us, right? We can't, it's just like one less temptation in your life. If you're losing your hair, you know, you can't be vain about it. So, but we see Absalom in his vanity, what happens? It's, it's his hair that actually gets him killed because he's riding on his horse and it gets stuck in the tree. And here he is hanging <laughs> from the tree from his hair. And then David's David's uh, general goes up and kills the guy. So not that that was the right action, but it, what we see is the consequences of vice and sin and vanity and so forth and so on. So there's the law of sowing and reaping. And we have to, in the fear of the Lord, respect the law of sowing and reaping. You cannot sin and not expect there to be some kind of retribution or justice or negative consequences for it. It's just you can't. Ha it can't happen. God is just. He governs the world according to justice. So there's always going to be the chickens are always going to come home to roost, or whatever, however that saying is. You know what comes around goes around. And really, it's 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 whenever we say, hey, well, wait a second, this situation isn't just. This person is suffering, and uh, their innocence, and so on. We only feel that way, and we're only kind of like uh, angry or confused or outraged in that situation. Because normally, actually, people get what's coming to them for the most part. And whenever that kind of law of sowing and reaping appears to be violated, it's a little bit of a puzzle. But it presupposes human experience that the law of sowing and reaping, is, it holds true. 
And so that's that's the fear of the Lord, and that's the beginning of wisdom. Now, of course, we want to move on beyond that and have a loving, personal relationship with God. But we need it, it can never be absent that that healthy respect for the fact that God governs the world with justice. And there's always consequences for uh, the negative actions. And oftentimes, God's justice in this world on our sin is a mercy. So if we get chastised now, that will wake us up so that in eternity we won't have to suffer the eternal consequences. Uh, and I think that was, was true for David as well, who died uh, a whole in, in God's friendship and grace and, and is remembered ultimately as, as a holy man. Uh, but he was not exempt from the law of sowing and reaping, and neither are we. And uh, respecting that is, is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom.